Thursday afternoon here in America, which means it's Friday the 20th of May in Australia. Uh, I am Will Anderson. This is Two Guys, One Cup, our AFL podcast. Oh, I normally say it's Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast, and then I, I'm i Will Anderson, because then it makes it easier for you to say. I'm Charlie Clawson, yeah. But it's all right. Yeah. You know, I think the best thing is we just make it a kind of con- an amorphous, kind of constantly evolving introduction. It's the only well, way to I get it right. Up- I fucked up the date, but I you know, I got the date right, but I fucked up the intro. So I guess... Well, you know, it's six of one, half a dozen the other, right? Yeah, I guess it is. It's one of those things where... Oh, look, I didn't do my vocal warm-ups. That's the problem. Glenn Wheatley, Jared Whiteley. Glenn Wheatley, Jared Whiteley. Uh, i got to say okay, right off the white. top that uh, <laughs> I didn't realise when we decided to do this podcast how little interest I would have in football news after my team's been beaten over by over 100 points. But you remember you and I used to text each other after our teams would get flogged and it'd be like, I hate football. I've had one of those kind of weeks. It's been really hard for me to take any interest in any other clubs or the news because it's like, oh, what's the fucking point? What is the point? Oh, it's one of those things where you would go out of your way. I'd forgotten that as well. When your team loses, that ruins, particularly if it's Friday night, then that's it. I can't even turn on like the rub or like a sports program or like Sunday mornings. I can't watch the footy program because I just yeah. might stumble on more bad news about my club. And then you have to go the whole week avoiding all the things you normally do. I have to like change the time I go for a walk during the day because I normally go and listen to sports today, but I can't listen to that anymore at night. So the dogs are all out of sync because they're getting like walked at a different time of the day. Oh man, this week, at least it was like late on Sunday. So it didn't ruin the whole weekend. No, it didn't. But it just, it, it was, it's one of the, it's, it's the same reason why I don't like doing footy tipping. Like people always like, oh, you should get into super coach. You get into footy tipping. What people don't understand is I like my club and that's about it. You know what I mean? I do like football as a sport, but really I'm only into the one club. And so I don't have interest in other players or, you know, uh, you know, super coach or, or even tips really. I don't really know what's happening in other games. And so when my team gets flogged, I'm like, ugh, the whole world turns dark. I don't care that Paddy Dangerfield went back to his old club and had a great game. Who cares? My team got flogged. Uh, you know what it's like? I think you look at football like uh, you're, all the other teams are your wife's friends. Yes. Right. And you don't necessarily like them. No. You only like them through, through the context of her. Yeah. So you're happy to put up with them yeah. because you really love her. But in the, in the weeks when she's mad at you, you're like, well, I'm not hanging out with their fucking friends. <laughs> I don't care about their bullshit this week. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I did pay, I did see some games this week. I mean, the whole thing's been tainted. But prior to, I actually got more excited about watching the Tigers play, which we'll get to. Then I did about watching my own club. That was, you know, I actually leapt up on the coffee table and started cheering at the end of that game. Just because, A, because I was vindicated. But B, because it was such a fucking great game to watch. But should we start with the uh, the first game, which was... No. Huh? Well, let's, no, let's, I mean, let's just linger on that moment. Because let's turn your frown up. <laughs> okay, cool. I like here, it. Charlie. <laughs> because I think you've got to look away from your team. And this week, it's not about your team. It's about your personal 
claustrodamus style footy tipping yeah. where you came on this podcast last week. Um, I stumbled upon a bit of negative feedback about this podcast on the internet. I was not Googling uh, uh, comments about well, it. Well, don't, don't ever Google two guys, one cup. Don't ever do that. Right. So there was this one guy and he goes, oh, listen to that podcast. Two infants would know more about football. And I was like, well, A... Have, did you listen to the fucking theme song? Yeah. We're not pretending we know much about football, so you're the idiot. But secondly, Charlie, I don't know. Maybe Charlie is. Maybe you're an idiot savant yeah. when it comes to footy tipping. I, I want to know what I want to know what Charlie's lock is every week. I you said it with such confidence, and it was so Richmondy. Yeah. I know we'll get to it, but like for them to win with a kick after the siren with less goals than their opposition kicked in the game and with the ball that bounced like it was like a warnies like you know one that would go round Mike Gadding's legs and bowl him at the ashes it was so Richmondy. It's so Richmondy. And it was your lock. I couldn't have been more proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean I look I I I felt like the equation to make it a Richmondy win is because someone got in contact with me. Someone hit me up on Twitter and was saying, oh, I thought it was, would be Richmondy to be leading and then lose. And I said, well, no, it's not really about wins and losses. It's about Richmond doing the, op- the exact opposite of whatever public right. expectation is. And Richmond, there's no reason for them to win that game. With 18 seconds to go, they had no business winning that game. A kick after the siren, they had no business winning that game. So they won. So it just depends. Oh, right. My, I mean, my Nostradamus prediction was only dictated by just how impossible the odds were against them for winning that game. Yeah, it's one of those things where, isn't it? Well, essentially, what Richmond are, they're the Costanza <laughs> of the AFL. They try, they try to Costanza a season. So whatever the thing that they're meant to do, just do the complete opposite of that, and that is the Richmond way. Oh, no, it was a perfect Richmond victory. I mean, the funny thing is, now people are talking about well, can they make that charge to the finals? And I'm saying, yes, because it shouldn't happen. (laughs) I say yes. But that's that's the thing about Richmond now. Like, it's like they're back in it because they've done it this way so many times. It's like we're watching watching a Rocky movie and it's that bit where we're like, oh, we all know what happens next. He was getting punched up, but now the stirring Rocky music's playing in the background. But for them, it's like yellow and black yeah. and then Richmond start to come back and then they don't make the finals. They come ninth. Well, so it was two years ago, right? That they did that nine wins in a row. They went from three. Yeah. They went, what was it? Was it, was it three and five or three and six or something like that? And then they stormed into the finals and then promptly lost the first elimination final. Well, talking about being Richmondy, the last two years, they had that one where they basically they played Carlton, who shouldn't have been in the finals, remember? Remember Carlton yeah. finished ninth, which is where Richmond normally finish, and they got in the finals because Essendon got kicked out of the finals, and then Richmond lost in the finals to a team that technically didn't <laughs> make the finals. <laughs> so rich, so, so Richmondy. Richmondy. And then the next year, they go over to Port Adelaide after that massive streak where they are unbeatable, and Trent Cotchen wins the toss and goes, you know which way we should kick in the first quarter of this home final in front of this crowd? Into this six-goal wind. So Richmondy. And then they get beaten by, like, 80 points. So Richmondy. Like, it's the Richmond way. That's what we love about it. We have to get that hashtag trending, Richmondy. Just I want next so this round. I want to see. I want to see hashtag Richmondy. I just want to see it. whatever. It doesn't have to be about the result. It's just moments in the game that are so Richmondy. You know, like 
Well, uh, Tyrone Vickery getting taken off after thing. kicking like, two, two goals in a row. Hashtag Rich Mindy. Yeah. Oh, Ty Vickery goes for an imaginary mark. Hashtag so Rich Mindy. <laughs> Chris Yaron doesn't play for the entire season. So Rich Mindy. <laughs> All right, well, let's go to the first game, which was uh, 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 the Cats going over to Adelaide Oval, crossing the footbridge to take on um, the Crows. And obviously all the talk about this was Paddy Dangerfield coming back uh, to his old club. Now, I only saw the second half of this game. What kind of reception did he get? Did you see? Well, firstly, um, I'm glad that you picked up that he was going back to Adelaide for the game because there was absolutely no coverage (laughs) of that in the media. I have never seen a man. He got 33 touches. Played an okay game, but got 33 touches. Uh, was a bit fumbly and stuff at the start. Looked actually like he was a little bit nervous. But he had done like 33 media interviews. I saw him interviewed literally as he was getting on the plane and then when he got off the plane. He flew to fucking Adelaide. It's an hour flight from Melbourne. I mean, I know he had to drive up the road from, you know, Moggs Creek, but still, like... It's a- but he wasn't going to Tullamarine. He went to the, uh, what's the one that the airport just near Geelong? He didn't have to go that far. Oh, yeah, he probably went to Avalon. Avalon, right? yeah. <laughs> so he's gone from, he probably got interviewed at Moggs Creek, uh, stopped for an interview in Geelong. Yeah, if he got, if he got, if he got petrol on the way, he got, he got asked at the service station what he thought as well. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't get him on the captain's announcement just to be interviewed by the pilot all the way to Adelaide, just about his thoughts about how the flight was going, how the takeoff and landing had been. Um, oh, look, I think that the Adelaide crowd, it's hard to boo him because he's just so good. And he's your best and fairest winner. It's, a, it's an old thing, isn't it? It's like Gary Ablett like you, or, or Lance Franklin. Like You can't hold a grudge against a guy who's del- either delivered flags or won best and fairest, who's given everything. If it's a guy who never li- lived up to their potential, okay, then you can boo. Or who's a bit of a prick, you can boo. But when a guy's done what he did, and especially where that club was, last year as well, you know. I mean, he was... There's a lot of kind of things to like about the way they responded after Phil Walsh's death, but, you know, he was definitely like a highlight. You can't really hold that against him. Or can you? Well, here's what I will say is... I, I went through a soft spot, and the Bulldogs fans who listen to this podcast, I'm so sorry. I betrayed our people for a while. I forgot about the white-hot hatred that we have in our heart for Adelaide. I forgot about it because I got captured by the way that they did respond to the Phil Walsh thing, and I thought it was, you know, a really great thing to be admired. And, you know, even when they beat us in that final last year, I was like, oh, well, good on Adelaide. It's been a tough season for them, and they play a great brand of football. And and then I and then I made a joke on the internet after that game. Oh, yeah, I saw this. Because the, well, because the free kick count was pretty much the exact opposite of what it had been the week before with the Bulldogs. And that's what I realized was, oh, that's why Adelaide fans got so mad about that free kick count. Because their setting is that they normally get that free kick count (laughs) in Adelaide every week. So they were like 34 free kicks down as far as they were concerned, because they were meant to be that far up. So I just, after the game, all I tweeted was, I blame the umpires, right, with the hashtag about the game. Thought it made the point subtly enough uh, that people would go, fair enough, but not get really, really angry and irrational about it. And I was wrong. So wrong. (laughs) What a firestorm. so wrong. Gee, those Adelaide supporters are very, very touchy, aren't they? Fucking hell. Take a joke, Adelaide. I mean, come on. Like, come on. Yeah. It was a big... 
uh, that guy is um, the guy who was the one who got 17 to 1. Who was the one they had the real problem with? He's umpiring their match on the weekend. So it'll be interesting to see the reception he gets. So what's your vibe on Adelaide now? Oh, here's what I'll say about Adelaide is obviously Geelong kept them in the game on Friday night through their terrible kicking. But Adelaide have been really good at one thing in particular, I think, for the whole time I've been watching them. Like since we saw that final last year, which is they are so effective with turning like inside 50s into scores. Like they look out of every game but they're not because every time they actually get it down their forward line, they convert at this like massive, massive rate. So it's because they've got it. They've, they've got probably the the best forward line in the competition. Well, maybe Sydney, but they've, or West Coast, but they've got one of the best forward lines in the competition. I mean, is Tex Walker still so playing? Accurate. Is Tex still playing injured? Do you think? Yeah, I, I do. Or, or maybe it's the mustache. Is it time? Do you feel like the mustache is weighing him down? He does. He does look like he should be like a, 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 a like. Um, you know, the end of The Shining when they zoom in on that photo from everyone in the 1920s? Like, he looks like he should be a guest at the Overlook Hotel in the 1920s. Do you think he's exhausted uh, because when all the other players are on those exercise bikes, he's on one of those oldie-timey bikes? Penny farthing. <laughs> he's on a penny farthing on the side of the ground? Yeah, well, the thing is, it's hard to pedal a penny farthing over the footbridge to get to the game. <laughs> There's no penny farthing lane, no. and, it's, and the and the hel- the helmet is really messing up his awesome hairdo. So he's an interesting cat. He went from the full bogan mullet a couple of years ago to now he's like a 1920s dandy. Yeah, he essentially looks like a take on the man, like the, the you know the old fashioned man in the top hat they used to have on the front of toilet doors. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he looks like. Do you, are you going to the ladies or to the Texas? I don't, I mean, the thing about Tex, if you get into a dust up with him, there's no jumper punches. He just slaps you in the face with a glove. <laughs> and he meets you adorned for a duel. <laughs> yeah, look, I love Tex. I reckon he's really funny and he's like a great leader and stuff, but he's, he's not playing at his best at the moment. I mean, I think Geelong got to be flag favourites at the moment or in that kind of handful of people. Like, I mean, for them to go over there and win in such impressive fashion and like a lot of their players are starting to play really well. The ones you need to play, like mm. Lop and guys like that, are really starting to fire. Guthrie was, like, amazing. Like, yeah. you know, and those sort of, that next level of guys who they need to kind of step up all seem to be really stepping up. I just I reckon it proves, like, midfield is everything. Like, if you have a dominant midfield, you can even have an okay ruck division, but if you've got a dominant midfield, because it all starts from the middle. Like, if you get first possession, just changes everything. And their midfield is... Awesome now, awesome. I mean, the fact that, like, Joel Selwood is their number two midfielder is insane. Yeah, but it might be, he might get the fucking Stephen Bradbury Brownlow, I reckon, because I think that he's get Dangerfield's doing all that stuff and then Selwood's just sneaking in. No, they're, um, I, I, I hate to say that they're, you know, they're a premiership chance because I just, I still have, like, that lingering. Uh, a rivalry from the early noughties when it was St Kilda and Geelong and they went on to actually do something and we're still searching for that next flag. But they've rebuilt in a really great way. I mean, it does help that, you know, the best player in the league's parents happen to be from Moggs Creek. And uh, well, not Brian Cook, who's, who's the guy who's been sorting out the parents with a job for the uh, Frank Costa? Frank, Co- Frank Costa. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I think the moment the sperm came out of Patrick Dangerfield's dad's dick, Frank Costner gave them a job. <laughs> he said, get you guys down. That, that, that's their version of their footy factory. Yeah. That's their, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I bet they haven't gone in for a day of work since he signed. No, why would you? Why would you? Some, somebody else would be clocking in for the danger fields while they're in Bali. Uh, the next game uh, was the Kangaroos uh, taking on the Bombers, which at halftime, I actually was around at your place, and at halftime you were like, oh, this is going to be a, a slaughter, because what were the, the Kangaroos were up by almost, was it seven or eight goals at halftime? Yeah, more, I think. And then the second half of the match just turned into, it was kind of like the Rocky story, really. I mean, they didn't win, but they went the distance. And the applause they got at the end of the match, like, I said, I heard a few cynical commentators, like, you know, sort of saying, well, what's this all about? We're applauding losers now. But come on, like, let's not kick a team while they're down. Like, let's give the supporters something. And the last two weeks, we've been saying about Essendon, oh, shit, they're actually playing like the team we all thought they were. So let's let's allow the special needs team to kind of like have some kind of victory against the league leaders. You know what it's like? It, to me, it's one of those things where I don't think it was the Rocky story. I think this was from dusk till dawn. Like half of it, you knew what was going on. <laughs> and then at the halfway point, you just went, what the fuck just happened? Like Essendon, there was some people in the crowd singing in the song. Like, they didn't win, but there were people singing the Essendon song. I think they were almost going to give the first game as Gatorade showers after the game. Close enough. Do you think that... <laughs> yeah, it was one of those... I think North Melbourne just, I mean, took their foot off the pedal a bit, probably. Yeah. Like, you know, they've just been winning. They're doing that thing at the moment that Hawthorne do. They're Northorne. That's what they are at the moment. They just get the job done. I was going to ask you that. Do you think the idea that teams do put the... Let's use some great footy cliches. Put the cue in the rack, take the foot off the pedal. Do you think that that's a genuine thing? You know you're coming up against Essendon, so you're going to play a bit of bruise-free football? Oh, mate, I can't wait to see who Ross Lyon rests against Essendon. (laughs) That'll be the biggest challenge of Ross Lyon's season, how he manages to lose against Essendon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think it is one of those things. And I just think at some stage, North will have to lose the game because... At the moment, you, I think you really are looking at the... T- I mean, we are looking at the potential Twins grand final. It could be a, a Collingwood versus North Melbourne grand final where you could have Twins coaching each other in the grand final. And if, if I think if we do, let's start it now, it sh- the entire day should be Twins-themed. Yep. The halftime entertainment should be Twins. They should get um, the Veronicas and Bross. Yeah. I think... I think if this becomes like a rivalry that stretches over a few years, like, you know, just say they play off the next two or three grand finals, there should be like a parent trap style swap going on where maybe one grand final, you know, like they, Chris coaches North and Brad coaches Geelong just to kind of mix it up a bit and see if anyone can tell. That's what they should have done when Brad Scott was in hospital last year. Surely Chris could have got down to the club and just coached a few games. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear something um, uh, on Fox Footy. The commentators were saying that because uh, Brad has the reputation of being the more aggro kind of, you know, uh, uh, short-tempered one as a coach, and Chris is more balanced. But as players, it was the other way around. Chris was the one that you had to be worried about, and Brad was more the kind of even-minded one. I just like to think both of them as being terrifying. <laughs> like when I see them talk, I see like I see like a gorilla who has taught himself how to kind of, you know, live in man's world, but at the slightest provocation will rip your head off. <laughs> so it's kind of like Planet of the Apes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Brad Scott is Caesar. 
I like hearing the Scott boys talk about football, though. I think Chris Scott on uh, AFL 360 always does a, a really good job explaining what was going on. So I do, I do think that they are good football communicators, and I'm glad they're doing well. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see a Twins grand final, I think. Yeah, yeah. We can see if we get Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger to come out to present the cup. <laughs> Because they're talking about making a sequel to Twins. That's a good marketing tie-in. They announced that they've started filming the sequel. They hand over the cup to Brad or Chris. Oh, and you're basically playing to see if you get to be Arnold Schwarzenegger or Danny yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Down in Tasmania, Hawthorne uh, uh, beat Freo in probably was just you know the least interesting game of the round. Um, Freo put up more of a fight than I thought they would. I was thinking it was going to... The way the Saints got beaten on Sunday, I thought was going to happen to Frio. But they were okay. I did see a funny um, interview with Ross Lyon this week where there's been these accusations accusations of tanking. And Ross Lyon just cracked up and was like, mate, we don't need to tank. We're playing our best footy and we're still eight and zip. We don't need to tank. Uh, I don't know, Charlie. I mean, they have taken out another one of Aaron Sanderland's ribs this week. <laughs> uh, just to use as a footbridge to the new uh, stadium when it's built. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and and Nat Fife's actually just getting two new knees. Yeah, look, I mean they're missing their two best players. And when they were nine and zip last year, like that was the where like Fife was getting three votes in the Brownlow every week. So take that out of the mix. My favourite thing about the tanking one was they they said that because he'd dropped Zach Dawson, they were tanking. Surely it's the other way around. Yeah. Surely all the games they played Zach Dawson, they were technically tanking. It's amazing. I was thinking about Zach Dawson the other day because he played for the Saints for about four or five years. And I, like, he was a, he just, he's so unlikable. Like, even when he was at the Saints, we kind of, <laughs> well, we kind of, we kind of liked him because he actually played, he, he was pretty good for the first couple of years. You know, he was just, a, he was a good negating footballer. Um, and as we've talked about on this podcast, in 2009, there was almost a moment where he could have been a grand final hero when he spoiled the ball from Gary Ablett but led to the toe poke. But since he's gone, it's like there's something about you that is just completely unlikable. I'm not even sure if he's – I mean, is it just his face or is it his demeanor? Like, he's not a particularly snipey kind of player. Like, it's not like he's a no. Reese Jones or anything like that, but he's just unlikable. That's a real shame. He should be one of those guys that we actually all kind of love. He should be, because he is one of those guys who's done very well. Considering. Despite the fact that he seems to have no coordination or ability. Yeah. And so, so it's one of those things where he should be adored, but instead everyone's just a bit pissed off about him. Yeah, it's kind of weird, because like, you can understand why people look at like a Charlie Dixon and be like, oh, like I hate that guy, because he comes across as like cocky and arrogant and stuff, but... Right, Zach Dawson kind of looks like um, the Shermanator from the you know, the American Pie movies, and we still dislike him. Zach Dawson's never had anything to feel cocky about, no. and has never looked like he felt like he did. I mean, you remember like that first game he played, that legendary game where he had to play an Anthony Rocker when he was a skinny nineteen-year-old when he was playing for Hawthorne and had like I don't know, like ten goals or something kicked on him, and it became this kind of. Uh, uh, what's the? It's a like folk, part of folklore. It's like I, you know, at like the time when Zach Dawson had to like he was going to be just a, a footnote in history about a mismatch. It was he was going to be the epitome of what a mismatch is. But then he's gone on to have. I mean, he's played in three grand final, four grand finals. He's had a long career. Yeah. Like I don't know, Mike Hal, could you look up 
how many games Zach Dawson has played in the AFL because Z Z Z A C for you, Mike Hal. Z A C <laughs> Zach Dawson. I, I, maybe it's just because like he has two names that just make me want to punch people in the face. Zach and Dawson. You don't like either like, of those both names. Both of those names are very punchable names. Really? What about Zach Efron? Yeah. Do you want to punch Zach Efron? Yes. Good example. <laughs> and I want to punch Dawson from Dawson's Creek. So this story checks out. Well, he's played 153 <laughs> games, Zach Dawson, which is right. pretty good. I mean, you reckon he could I mean, probably get another You'd say two. that's over what he... you could you, Like, he has made the most of his ability. Well, he's played 153 games, and I'd say half his career he's played finals. Because he's always played in finals, apart from when he was at Hawthorne, he's played in final series teams. But the thing was, when he when Ross Lyon left to Frio, he basically poached or headhunted Dawson. He took him with him. And he yeah. got good money, too. Because, you know, Zach Dawson was a fullback in a final side at the time. So he's done really well. We're making fun of him. He's fucking laughing at us, mate. Have you ever played in a grand final, Will? No. No. no I haven't played. He has played 153 more games of AFL than I have. Yeah. Who are we making? And fun I think of? we have about the same amount of ability, <laughs> and so that's a real great story. <laughs> uh, the next game uh, was GWS Battle of the Expansion Clubs taking on the Gold Coast and shit, man. Queensland football. Well, I was going to say Queensland football could not get any more dire, but we'll, we'll get on to the Brisbane game. But right, what? How do you solve a problem problem like Queensland? Merge them. You're just parroting your bloody boyfriend's idea. No, you know what the thing was? No, I'm not talking about emerge at some stage in the future. I'm talking about this week. (laughs) (laughs) Before, okay, maybe play out this weekend, but then next week, because this is what we do, right? Here's the thing. It's a high-speed game now. We've cut down the interchanges. What we really need is to put a buy back into the system, give everyone a rest in the run-up to the finals, more exciting games. So what we do is next week we just get the the Gold Coast and the Brisbane players together and we just merge them. Yeah. We just merge them and they play out the rest of the, the season as a super team. I mean, there's two things that I sort of got from, you know, watching that match, which is, A, I think it's inevitable. GWS are going to win a flag. Like, I just, unless they get raided or have huge injuries in the next couple of years, I just can't see. I mean, they had a debutante who got 31 possessions in his first game. Yeah. And he's an academy yeah. product. He's from the Riverina. I mean, Eddie Maguire must have been having fucking heart palpitations. But well, particularly because, particularly because, if I understand it correctly, uh, he hasn't been living in the Riverina. He's been at school in Melbourne or something. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I laughing? Why am I laughing? This is like my team that's affected by this. You know what? Maybe I'm wrong about they're having a buy back in. We merged the two Queensland teams and we let the GWS seconds play and see how they go. They could probably still make the finals. Well, before Gold Coast, I mean, look, I know they've been decimated by injury and there's been a lot of press about, you know, their recruiting and stuff, but they just, when they don't have the, when they don't have the supporter base and they're putting in performances like that, you just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I just, you know more about Rocket than I do because he coached the Bulldogs for a while, but I just think that he was the wrong choice. I just don't know that he's the guy to take him forward. He's so angry. Like, I think they need more of that Alan Richardson, fucking uh, Brendan Bolton, player development kind of person, not the, you know, 
experience, get him into the finals kind of coach. He's angry. Did you see him in the box? I mean, Gary Ablett, if Gary Ablett was, needs to calm anyone down, it's his own bloody coach. Yeah, there was that bit at halftime where Ablett went into the box and did the exact same thing that he's been doing. Yeah, yeah. come on, <laughs> like, mate, there's kids hey, around. Hey, Rocket, there's kids around. These are just not things that people need to hear. Apparently in the Bulldogs box, box uh, Bob Murphy was talking about the fact that they part one of the things they do is they try to calm each other down. So they remind each other because they think the way they best think is to remain calm. Yeah, Rocket's that old school, you don't want to make me angry. And by the way, everything you're doing makes me angry style of coaches. Yeah, I just don't know that that... Uh, I think that is such an old-fashioned... I mean. It's, a, it's such an old-fashioned mentality to coaching. Like, you look at all these younger coaches, and, you know, you said before, they they come from, like, teaching backgrounds, a lot of them. So there is this kind of duty of care attitude, especially when, you know, dealing with younger players. And, I mean, if that was my coach, I wouldn't want to play for him. If you're terrified of your coach, it only gets you so far. But if you look at the, the successful clubs, you look at Hawthorne, they love Alistair Clarkson, you know. They, they, they want to play for him. There's... They have enough respect in, you know, fear of him that they're not going to fuck around. But ultimately, you know, they're in this together. Whereas with him, I just feel like he's he's come in too late. You know, they had their coach for the first four years. They've brought in Eid because they thought they were closer to a flag than they were. And now he's just having these conniptions. And I just, I just reckon it's been a big mistake. I think they brought in Eid not necessarily because they thought they were closer to a premiership than they were. I reckon they brought in Eid because they knew they had a major discipline problem at the club. Right. And they needed some, and they thought that that old school kind of coach might go up there and sort it out. But I agree. Like, I mean, I've told the story on our other podcast, but uh, when Rocket was um, uh, coaching the Bulldogs, <laughs> it was grand final day, and we were both walking around the MCG in different directions, and we saw each other, and I said Rocket, and he said Will, and we shot out our hands to like shake hands, and as we did this, this little kid was running along, and we basically just coat hanging <laughs> this little kid. Like six years old with a footy, you know, running with a footy and just two grown men have coat hangered this little kid who's just like dropped like straight to the ground. And the first thing Rocket said to me, which I thought was hilarious, but does sum him up, just went, ooh, no vision. <laughs> so, yeah, I think he might be a harsh taskmaster, the way that he then spat on a six-year-old and berated them. I just, yeah, Mick Malthouse once said when Scott Waters got appointed to St Kilda after uh, Russ Lyon left and Scott Waters had been an assistant to Mick Malthouse and Scott Waters was one of those guys who was a player development coach and all that kind of stuff and Mick Malthouse said something at the time which everyone made fun of which is like, I think he'll be a good fit for St Kilda because they look like a team who needs a bit of a cuddle. And I know exactly what Mick was getting at. That was after we'd been through all those grand finals we hadn't won. And the team was just shattered. And I think there is a period, if you're kind of in a rebuild or you're not going to be challenging, where it is worthwhile bringing in a coach who's just going to kind of like give the team a bit of a cuddle, make them feel like it's okay and get them back to what they love doing. I just couldn't imagine any of those players are having a good time right now. Well, maybe they're having a good time, but not the football club. (laughs) From what I understand, their golf their, their their golf trips at the end of season are amazing. But uh, oh yeah, the, the the only thing that's fucking up their year is having to play footy. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is golden. I love it up there. It's a shame we can't get Carmichael back. Yeah, I mean, I think the honesty session uh, didn't clear anything up. I guess that's the. 
No, I just it it, 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 well, the next game actually, you know, uh, it it follows the same line of thought, which was uh, Collingwood going up and thrashing Brisbane. I didn't see this coming. I actually thought Brisbane were a shot in this game, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's just more of the same for Queensland football. It's just what do you what do you do? And I like Lepper. I actually think Lepper's a good coach. And well, I mean, how can you say that when? He's hardly. I think they've only won contested ball like five times in his three years of being at the club. But I like him. I think that maybe you know, with a better team, he could be a better coach. Does that make sense, mate? They all this week they've been like, should we sack Leper? Sack Leper? You should fucking play Leper. He would show some of those guys how to like stand up there and actually get a kick. Like I don't know if he's the problem when your team's not having a crack in the way that they're not having a crack at the moment. Like I tipped Brisbane. I got because. Collingwood had done me wrong so many times that I was like, nah, Brisbane will win at home. But apparently, Collingwood are good, Charlie, when their backs are against the wall. <laughs> well, I guess that was another prediction we made. So the Nostradamus thing is on, is on point. Uh, well, let's get on to the game that we've already talked about, but it's so awesome. We could talk about it for the whole show, which was uh, the Mighty Tigers. Tigers. Beating the Swans. I mean, it just... It was such a great game to watch. Like, the, if if you haven't seen it, just go back and watch the last five minutes. The best thing about it, for mine, was the Lance Franklin Alex Rance battle. Like, it brought back um, memories of of like Carey versus Jakovic. You know, it was. I mean, Buddy kicked five, but you wouldn't say that. You know, he he, he got the better of Rance. Rance in that last three minutes, Rance did three of the most amazing fucking things you've ever seen a defender do. He's such a champion. He's one of those guys, I love it, and it is an old school thing, isn't it? When the um, Rance was named in most papers as Richmond's best player, and he got five goals kicked on him. It was yeah. like when, it was like, remember when Plugger kicked 10-6 on Stephen Silvani, and Stephen Silvani got the votes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it's good. It's good to see. I mean, that ball too, I mean, it was like the Zabruder footage. The ball goes back and then it just bounces massively to the left. On AFL 360, they were showing how in the review, John Longmire, because all the Swans players, because people were like, oh, why weren't the Swans set up? But you can actually see the Swans players all run to their positions. They cover the ball on all four sides where, where it would bounce. And then it just takes this sharp turn and goes nowhere that they are. And it's like, when you show that in the review, you'd be like, well, you did all the right things. What the fuck happened? Sometimes <laughs> so, the ball just... Yeah. So Richmondy, yeah. I mean, that's... I guess when um, the Swans were doing their were doing their review, they're like, look, guys, you know, you got into the right spots, but Richmond. <laughs> they were Richmondy. Sometimes that's all you, they, that, sometimes that's you all just you write Yeah, that's right. Just write the, on the whiteboard, Richmondy. But it just... It had... What was also great about it was it just had that Richmond emotion as well. Like... The celebrations after Lloyd kicked the goal was so fantastic and cutting the cutting to the crowd and just seeing like people in tears and stuff like it's just having uh, having Richmond involved in big games like that whether or not they're actually like playing finals just give them give them more kind of prime time Friday night Saturday night slots because it's just the roller coaster just makes it worthwhile. It's like watching fucking melodrama. I mean, you know it's rubbish, <laughs> but that's just so involving. You can't help but get caught up in it. Right. Every week's a cliffhanger of some yes. kind. 
yeah. There's some kind. There's some kind of like crisis or or or, or, or something going on. But I mean, I really. <laughs> who are they playing? Well, we'll get to the next round. But I, 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 like I'm, I'm not going to make any predictions about them making the finals. But <laughs> if they did storm into the finals, it would not surprise me. Like, who knows? As I, t- I think I texted you after that win and said, they're either going to make the finals or they're going to finish last or finish ninth. That's how right. it's going to go down. But only one of those three things. Yeah. Nothing else. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was such a great game. And Dustin Martin is has is, is played the kind of game that, I think we've gone to being wondering where where he's been all year. Maybe his all those flights to New Zealand to see his dad has sort of taken it out of him. But um, he was back to his kind of uh, don't argue best on Saturday night. Yeah, it's good to. I mean, look, here's the thing. Maybe it's the opposite. I mean, you know, he wasn't playing that well at the start of the season, but now that he's visiting New Zealand, he's really, you know, maybe he's really enjoying the air miles. Maybe he's yeah, really. Right. Yeah, I mean, Air New Zealand also always do those really entertaining in-flight safety demonstrations where it's, you know, Richard Simmons or the guys from Lord of the Rings or the All Blacks. Like, maybe he's just really being inspired. Maybe that's what they've got to do every week. They've just got to fly him in from New Zealand every week. Well, or maybe maybe because he's going to Wellington, the traditional home of AFL, uh, the right. cake tin. Yeah. Maybe that's just... That, that's what's inspired him is he gets to New Zealand. He's like, oh, this is what it's all about. This is This is truly... The home of Australian rules football. Oh uh, yeah, it's the big go Wellington. home fact. The big go home yeah. factor. Yeah, in that once he's there, he just definitely wants to go home. <laughs> yeah, really appreciates living in Richmond. There was another cliffhanger on the weekend, which had the opposite effect for me. Whereas I loved the Richmond thing and really got into it. Carlton beating Port Adelaide, hanging on in the last three minutes to win their fourth in a row. Will. They're fourth in a row. For some reason, when Carlton do it, doesn't have the same effect on me. I don't feel the same sense of like joy or good for them. I'm like, oh no, not Carlton. And if I have one more Carlton supporter friend come up to me and go, da 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 da, da 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 da. Here's the thing. I, we all love the Carlton story, and we all want to just believe a little bit in the fact that they're. But you know what? It's th- this is a false economy. they've had a lucky little run they fell over the line in like two and a half of those games they are not this is not some new Carlton super side or anything like that and without Levi Casbolt now for a while without Cruiser for a while like then I mean I just can't see this run continuing for Carlton don't want to rain on your parade but yes I kind of do there you go here's the the forecast Carlton rain lots of it all over your parade whenever you want to have a parade I predict rain for the rest of the season alert the farmers get them to Carlton games because that's where your drought is going to break when it rains all over your parade and what do you say about Port? I mean, shit. Uh, shit. Here's my prediction for Port Adelaide. They are the team that for the rest of the season are going to continue to fuck up people's tips. Yeah, 100%. They looked like they'd stabilised for a bit. And then to lose that game, I mean, lose that game, especially when they, when Casbot was gone in the second quarter. They were a man down and, and Port still couldn't get over the line. They're just no good. That's the thing about them. They're no good. Yeah, but the problem is that they occasionally look really good and you kind of fall back in love with them a little bit. 
But yeah, no, they're no good. And I think their form the week before, they obviously played a really terrible opposition, it's turned out. So that was probably a bit misleading. But yeah, I'm off port. Can't get on board. Plus, that guy who didn't like this show really did. It was a really big Port fan because I checked his Twitter. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. So, fuck Port. <laughs> yeah, fuck Port. I'm on board with that. It's been a big anti Adelaide episode, this one. And I love yeah. Adelaide, but. It has I love been Adelaide too. Yeah, yeah. But it has been an anti Adelaide episode. Uh, the Mighty Bulldogs uh, got over the demons. Um, Melbourne, you know, they, they weren't. They weren't bad in that game you guys were just better the Bulldogs are actually quite what I I think has been lost in all the kind of hype around the Bulldogs this year is how tough you guys are like a lot has been made of sort of the running game and the spread but you guys are actually tough like good inside uh got good a lot of inside players and stuff and I think that that's where the difference was in the two clubs is you just grounded out more we we I I think we're number one in contested footy, or if we're if we're not number one, we're like top two in contested footy, and which is why we're also so high in free kicks because you know we, we've got a team that's like getting to the ball first, but even when they're not getting to the ball first, they're tackling so hard. I mean, Libba had like well he tied the record for tackles, like but he actually softened off a bit in the last quarter. I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> He could add 25 tackles. He got 19 in the end, but he he was absolutely flying. And we've been so lucky with... And here's the thing that we've just got to start paying a bit of credit to, is that, yeah. you know, you talk about rebuilds. I mean, our, our rebuild has mostly come out of the penis of former players. And I was just going to say. <laughs> I think that we've really got to celebrate... Uh, you know, yeah. Steve Wallace's well, jizz. We've got to celebrate I mean, Hunter's jizz. We've got to celebrate Liberatore's jizz. This has been, those three, like, father-sons have yeah. been absolutely great to us in a period of time where you couldn't draft the best young players because they were all going to GWS and the Gold Coast. We yeah. got a few think, because they happened to be father and sons. I think better than any junior academy was the Tunnel Nightclub in Melbourne in the 80s. Because that's when the Bulldogs back then did their best fucking, and now you have some fantastic father-son selections. I mean, that's a long-term rebuild that we've been involved with. <laughs> that's what that's what that's our Richmond have got to do their rebuild. They've got to lock Matthew Richardson in some sort of milking machine. Like Richo yeah. hasn't had it. one kid. Come on, they've got to get Richo like on some milkers in a lab and start pumping them out, <laughs> like a dairy farm, like a dairy farm. Like, seriously, yeah. just like, yeah. you can't tell me that a bunch of like lovely young fit women wouldn't want to get some like richo inside them and be part of the yeah. rebuild, right? Now yeah. we'll have to do I... artificial insemination because if richo tried to put it in there himself, he'd miss. <laughs> so <laughs> he'd spray it all over the place. So, <laughs> well... Yeah, that's always been the uh, the great shame of, St Kilda's uh, uh, in a era in the eighties and nineties when we had Winmar and Lockett and Lowe and Burke, they all had daughters. Our, right. When we get our when um, Team Angelica gets up and about, we'll be we'll be fine. But uh, yeah, we we've got no we have no father sons to pick from. And I think Rob Harvey has a son Connor who doesn't want to play football. Good cricketer apparently, right? But doesn't well, want to he, play football. He, sh- he shouldn't get to make that choice. <laughs> you the don't fa- think the father son rule should be compulsory? <laughs> Yeah. And so what uh, about Melbourne? What about Melbourne, though? Where do you... I mean, they, that elusive um, three wins in a row, they can't... They're having trouble stringing two wins together, and they just... I don't know. 
They they need to get a bigger scalp this season for them to have really shown progress, don't you think? Uh, i got to say this game filled me with a lot of pleasure as a Bulldogs fan because I think that Melbourne played pretty well. Mm, and, they did. And Melbourne playing pretty well is a team that we should still beat in the way that we beat them. And I felt like it was one of those games where you're like, oh, yeah, this was a good win by us. I mean, I think it was good to have that win because going up against GWS, and we'll get to that game, but we, us going up against GWS without Boyd as well this week out of our back line, we have got five of our best back line players not playing. Like, we're doing a, a back line rebuild of our own this year. It's crazy, and I just think we may get very, very exposed up against GWS, missing all those players, I would say. Yeah. No, the Boyd thing is uh, is interesting because Redpath is kind of doing what you need that tall to do is there do you get do you bring Boyd back and get rid of Redpath or do they play on the same side so well Redpath's out this week because he got suspended for a week as well so we lost Redpath for a week and Matthew Boyd for a week but um Tom Boyd isn't ready he's still injured he's still a week away at least all ah, so, right but so when no, he comes back but when when Redpath and Tom Boyd are both ready right do they play on the same side yeah, I would say you play Redpath down the front, helping Stringer and straightening it up, and you play Boyd in that kind of floating ruck role where you can just send him down to have that extra... Between Campbell and Boyd and Roughhead maybe floating backwards, that gives you a lot mm. of players. I think it would be a really good team. Like I, uh, But this week, Charlie, because of that, and we can talk about it now because we're talking about this anyway, I, I said when we started this podcast that as much as I loved Will Minton... I thought we would only see Wilmington this year when the Bulldogs ran out of other players. Well, guess who's playing this weekend? Will's back. <laughs> I actually watched um, when I was in Melbourne. Some VFL was on, and it was the uh, it was Footscray. That's what your that's what your uh, VFL Footscray is it? Yeah, the, the Footscray yeah. Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, that's your your seconds. And um, I've never seen a guy look happier in the twos, like. He had a smile on his face the entire time. I think you guys were, you're beating like North Ballarat or whoever you're playing by, you know, 10 goals or whatever. So it was a, but he seemed so happy at that level. Like no pressure, running around, getting hit outs and stuff. I think maybe he wants to stay there. Yeah, mate, because that, for him, that's his jazz festival. <laughs> like in the twos, all the pressure's off. It's not headlining. You can just play yeah. some jazz. I mean, just free form it. Yeah, exactly. Just say, hey, man, we're just having a jam, really. This yeah, game yeah, isn't, yeah. It doesn't really count. We're in the twos. We're just jamming. It's what music and football is really about. In fact, sometimes instead of a Gatorade after he kicks a goal, they'll run him out of clarinet just for a little... <laughs> solo. Just a little, a little solo after a goal. He started doing it. He, he loves it. It's really inspired his game. The last game of the round uh, was the aforementioned Eagles thrashing St Kilda, and I mean, it was like a, it, it, it. What it was really actually just one quarter of football. We we actually applied ourselves after the first quarter, but we were just blindsided. I don't know what happened. Well, Nat Nui was all over Tom Hickey in the ruck. We couldn't get our hands on the ball, and then it was just um, Kennedy went berserk, kicked five goals, and they just looked shell-shocked like it was I don't know if it's the travel and because it's the last game of the round and you're playing in Perth so you're actually out sort of been up longer than you'd normally be up but they just they just didn't turn up that was the worst I've seen them play in a couple of years and I've seen some floggings in the last couple of years but that was just um that was a pure case of no application it was nothing to do with their skill level or whatever it was just they just 
didn't want to be there. I think, was it we were talking last week where Chris Judd said, you know, you need to take the crowd out of it? Well, we just fucking encouraged the crowd. We got them right into it. We yeah. basically handed them all megaphones and said, just like, make us feel terrible. It was, they just looked confused. That that first five to ten minutes, they all went into their shells. There was no defensive pressure and they panicked. It was it was ugly to watch. And then, I to be honest, I, I, I couldn't watch the last quarter. I stuck with it for two quarters just to see what we had inside. And, you know, they did dig deep, but fucking hell, man. The second quarter, we kicked eight behinds, not one goal. We didn't kick our next goal till the third quarter. Three goals for the match, Will. 3-11 as a tribute to the band 3-11 because I know some people are all big fans of Stoner Rock. Stoner yeah. Rap Rock. So big yeah. shout out to 3-11. Uh, yeah, it's a tough game when one of their players kicks more goals in the first quarter than you manage for the match. Yeah. And there was just a couple of things that, you just sometimes football, I don't think, has anything to do with, you know, the skill or, or, or the coaching or anything. Sometimes it's just not your day and things just go wrong. And we just had one of those days where, like, players like Josh Bruce was missing stuff from directly in front. Nick Revolt reverted back to the Nick Revolt of four years ago where he was just shanking it. Just we got, we didn't get the rub of the umpires. Just the ball wouldn't bounce our way. Just all this shit went wrong. And I think that. I think the players just put up the white flag. It was like, how soon can we get this game over and done with so we can just go back to Melbourne and reset and think about next week? Well, the other thing is, we know if there's one thing we know about the West Coast Eagles, they are the flat track bullies. Mm. And basically, you remember that episode of The Simpsons where Bart suddenly had to get glasses and have his hair slicked back for because he had lice mm. in his hair and he had to have those corrective <laughs> shoes and he ended yeah. up at school. And like, <gasps> I'm a nerd. Right. So am I. <laughs> so essentially that's what you guys have nerded up to, to yeah. Subiaco and you've run into Nelson and Jimbo and, and yeah. Curly. We got a wedgie. Day. Yeah. First quarter, we got a first quarter wedgie and then from then on we were just trying to unpick it for the rest of the game. Because <laughs> I honestly feel like... Uh, after that point, West Coast, I think, eased off a bit. It could have been a much... Like, for the second and third quarters, I think we actually won the second quarter in terms of, like, statistically. But they just kind of... They just put it... They just idled for a couple of quarters. And then the last quarter decided to kick a few more goals and just tick it over 100. But I think all the press that you read afterwards was like... It was almost an irrelevant game. All it did was reinforce what most of us knew about the two teams, which is that West Coast are pretty impressive at home and St Kilda are nowhere near playing finals yet. I think the one disappointment is most people thought St Kilda would put up more than, more of a fight. Yeah, I mean, they actually, West Coast had to stop uh, bullying so much under the government's anti-bullying laws. <laughs> That's why St Kilda yeah. played better in the second half. No, I mean... <laughs> I think when you're a team like St Kilda, where you're a team that's on the rise, but you're not quite there yet, occasionally, particularly after all these games where you've been in them a lot and you've come close, you're going to have a shocker. And going over to West Coast, going up against those guys at home and how powerful they are there and how impressive they are there, it's just a perfect storm for that to be a nightmare. Yeah, and trust me, in my... 38 years of supporting St Kilda. I have many memories of us getting dialed up in Perth. But I saw an interview with Richo afterwards and they said, like, well, what do you take out of a game like that? You know, is there any lessons to be taken from that? And the simple thing is he said, if you don't bring the application from the very from the very start, then it's very easy for you guys to look like an ordinary side. And I think that's 100% what it was. Like, 
you know, the second quarter proved that when we actually started applying ourselves and applying some pressure, we looked a lot better. But if you're not switched on from the very start, especially when they have a midfield like they do and a ruckman like they do, similar to what we're saying about Geelong, midfield's everything. We just could not get our hands on the ball. We were trying to start all our attacks from defense because we're on the back foot. I mean, then kicking her behind was like, thank God, you know, at least we can actually get our hands on the ball and try and do something. And then, yeah, it'll fall to shit. Uh, we should uh, mention that Matty Prittis this week has passed more possessions than Ben Cousins got. Really? Yeah, and uh, 30 less games than uh, huh. Ben Cousins. So is actually like a massive accumulator of the ball and has been a massive player for them over there for so long. And, you know... Um, you know, the only sort of hair tests that he tests positive to are, you know, effervescence and <laughs> nutrescence. <laughs> Whatever the fuck. <laughs> his hair product. So, nutrescence. Yeah. All right. Should we move on from that horrible car crash of a game uh, and yeah. look to uh, look to this weekend's games? Yeah, let's just so, go through this quickly and get out of here because uh, some okay. people can hear this before the, uh, <laughs> the weekend games actually happen. <laughs> It's an interesting choice by us to uh, recap the previous games one hour before the new round starts. I mean, that was the gist of the complaint I got, but it hasn't changed it, so here you go. <laughs> Look, we're not early week people, all right? Just get off our balls. Yeah. Uh, tonight, Hawthorne take on Sydney at the MCG in what should be a cracker. Yeah, uh, tonight, yes, Hawthorne tonight. take on the Swans. Uh, this is this, one, of, the, this one not, of those games that could, could be either team, couldn't it? Because they're both in that position where... but. The one thing we should talk about, uh, there's not anything funny to talk about about it, but we should give a shout out to Jared Roughhead, who uh, oh, yeah. is obviously fighting cancer again. Uh, his melanoma, which uh, he missed all those games with, uh, there's been a reoccurrence and it's spread a little bit further. So I think it is pretty serious. And so I think everybody in the footy community gives a massive shout out to, to Ruffy. Um, yeah. Because we, cause he's just... Like, he's one of those blokes that everybody just loves. You know, he's a classic. Yeah. He's the anti-Zach Dawson. <laughs> if you want to, uh, if you want to, if you want to see why everyone loves Ruffy, just take a listen to, uh, Junk Time from uh, about three weeks ago where they had it's Andy the Lee and, and Ruffy on, and he's hilarious. Like, he just seems like a really good bloke, really funny guy. And, um, you're right. He's the anti-Zach Dawson. <laughs> Possibly the AFL's first victim of climate change. Uh, in that he's a redhead playing, like he may have to wear a hat when he comes back in the future, but we wish him all the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so who do you, what's your feeling on this game? Hawks or Swans? I think Hawks because of the Ruffy thing. I reckon Hawks mm. are pretty good when tragedy's going on. They've had a lot of it in the last few years and they respond pretty well. And I think Hawks still the buddy factor. They want to win against, you know, Buddy Franklin, but this should be a really, really good game, I think. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of criticism has been leveled at the Swans about uh, their backline, like all of a sudden Teddy Richards and, and Heath Grundy are kind of uh, persona non grata, Will. Wasn't it only about five weeks ago that we were saying how great Teddy Richards was and what a game he'd played and he kicked that goal from 50? Now it's like, he's junk. Get rid of him. Mate, I love the AFL, how quickly we turn. This week there was like a big article about how they're too reliant on Buddy Franklin. I was like, Isaac Heaney kicked five goals last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, like, are the football commentators Guy Pierce's character from Memento? Because yeah. are you waking up every day going, oh, well, Sydney's got no forward line. <laughs> Hang on, remember how three weeks ago they had the best forward line in the entire league? Maybe they're still yeah. fine. They lost, yeah. they kicked more goals than the team they lost to last week. 
<laughs> well, uh, Saturday, the Pies take on the Cats at the MCG. Hopefully, Collingwood can get revenge for 2011, Will. <laughs> I mean, here's the problem with this game for Collingwood. Their backs are technically not up against the wall anymore. I feel like no. they've stepped away from the wall after last week. So they're a step yeah, that, away from the wall. And I think that's that's where Geelong likes you. I think Geelong will take this as a great opportunity. This is this will be like a this will be like uh you know when Anthony Mundine would be building towards like a title fight and they'll just yeah. put up a bunch of people for him to punch up in the ring beforehand just to go and to get used to it. That's what this will be. Geelong are at the MCG. It's like okay, we're gonna be playing here a lot in September, so let's just beat up these guys and just see how much we can do it by. Yeah, I, th- I, be- I believe so. I think that's a Geelong. We'll win that one. Up at Metricon, the Suns take on the Crows in a game which may make Rodney Eade have an aneurysm. I mean, Adelaide should win this by a heap. I mean, I don't think Ablett's playing, is he? I mean, nah. they are... I mean, I can't see... I just don't know if Gold Coast have it in them to, you know, kind of respond to everything that's happened. This would be the week if they were ever going to respond, but I don't think they can. I think Adelaide will win that by a lot. I think the Gold Coast meter maids could turn up and play against the Crows in this game and probably put up a better showing than what the Suns might do. I mean, literally, that umpire could give Adelaide no free kicks and give Gold Coast every free kick in the game, and I still think Adelaide will win this one. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Uh, later that night, Port Adelaide take on West Coast at Adelaide Oval, which I think will be an interesting game because it's not... I mean, the flat track bullies, they're travelling from their, the comfort of the main stadium, but they're not going all the way across Australia. It's a shorter no. flight. It's halfway. You know, they can maybe squeeze in a couple episodes of Modern Family before they get there, but not, not an entire feature film. So, I don't know. What's your feeling on that? Port have to do something, don't they? At home, Saturday night... A lot of pressure on. This is the kind of game that if you're going to get your season back on track, then this would be it. I mean, for me, this is one of those ones where I'm like, this will prove if West Coast can win away from home or not. Because this is literally as close to being at home as they can be. (laughs) So if you can't win here, you're not going to be able to win. They should actually play it in Port Adelaide just to get it a little bit closer uh, to Western Australia. But yeah, no, I think... I think West Coast Eagles are probably a bit back, and I don't think Porter any good. So I think West Coast will win it, even though it's in Adelaide. Yeah, I uh, I think West Coast win it. West Coast, they, 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 there's no reason why they shouldn't be better. Like if you look at their list, you look at their forward line, they're amazing. But something about that uh, that trip, yeah, I pick West Coast as well. Uh, the Kangaroos take on the Blues at Etihad Stadium, in which I see clouds. I know the roof will probably be closed, but I can see clouds gathering and some rain will fall on a certain team's parade. You know what? Artificial rain if the roof's closed. Yeah. Yeah. You try to have a parade under a roof, it'll still fucking rain. It'll still rain. A cloud will sneak in and it'll rain all over your parade. Yeah, I think this one. North Melbourne after last week, they'll be pretty keen to just establish that you know, they're not taking their foot off the pedal. And I think Carlton will be the perfect team to do that against. And also North Melbourne, have a, they have the best ruckman in the game and they have a heap of talls and Carlton are short on talls at the moment. So yeah. I think quite, fact, com- we- quite comfortable winter kangaroos. Yeah, with that in mind, if you're going to have a parade, I would suggest doing it on a float because it might be a little like Noah's Ark. Yeah. Now, over at the main stadium, this is the most intriguing match of the round for me. The Dockers take on the Mighty Tigers at the Mainstay Penis Stadium, sorry, I should say. Yep. Um, now, 
In order to predict how this game's got to go, we need to get a gauge of what should happen. Right. Now, should Richmond win this game? <sighs> it's hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah, so, it's hard to tell. I would have said before this week that Fremantle have no interest in winning any games for the rest of the season. So I would have said that Richmond should win the game. But there's been a bit of talk this week about how Fremantle have been tanking. So technically, they probably want to fly the flag a little bit when they're over there and it's at home. You know, uh, Richmond... I mean... Richmond should win. So that makes me want to tip against them. Against them, yeah. They've got, Although, they've got more, they've got more on the line. They've got momentum. The media's been behind them this week. Like everyone wants them to win. They've got a reason to win. They play away, they play well away from home. They travel well. So they'll lose. <laughs> like, so, but Charlie, have we, are you being too short term Richmondy? Uh, should we be looking at the more like, if we really want Richmond to be Richmondy, we need to build up now. We've done the bit of them being terrible. Now we have to build up the hope again. Because if if, yeah. if, if, if it was just an aberration last week and they lose this week, then maybe it's... Is it over Not Richmondy. Yeah. Not Richmondy. So it's maybe Rich they Mindy need to enough. win to keep it Richmondy. Or do they need to be leading the entire match and then in the last quarter lose? Would that be more Richmondy? That'd be pretty Richmondy. <laughs> All right, I will. Pre- I'm predicting that they will lose, but having led for most of the game, that's my that that would be very Richmondy. Uh, is that Charlie's lock? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> let's get to the rest of the game. I'll I'll pick my lock of the week. You'll, t- you'll tell me what Charlie's lock of the week is yeah. afterwards. I've got to see what Mike Hal shows us for the rest of the round, and then I'll, I'll come up with my lock. I, I, <laughs> I, I think that Richmond will win that one. By the way, I think Richmond will do enough over there, and I don't think Freya want to win. Okay. You know what? I agree. My lock of the week is Richmond will win. I think they'll win in impressive fashion too. That's my lock of the week. I say, I say, I say six goal victory to the Tigers. I love that this has given people an insight into the exhaustive process you go through to come up with your lock of the week in that literally three seconds earlier you would say Fremantle would win. So. Yeah. But I was saying Fremantle would win only by using the equation of what is the most Richmondy thing to happen. I think well, it's hard to say because Richmond should win. Everything says they should win. Ergo, they'll lose. <laughs> it's hard to say. I'm going to come back to that one. Let's let's go to the other game. <laughs> I still haven't decided. Uh, uh, Melbourne versus Brisbane Lions at the MCG on Sunday. I think the Lions are shot. Whatever hope they had at the start of the year is gone now. Melbourne, good team. They'll need to account for last week, so I think Demons pretty easily. Yeah? Yep, yep I agree. Uh, GWS, take on your boys up at Spotless Stadium. Good game. This could be this or the Hawthorne game will be match of the round. Um, I don't know. Do GWS play better at Spotless? Like, statistically, do they know well, the ground? Here's the thing, Charlie. They played uh, two teams that you might want to note of particular at Spotless this year. They uh, played Geelong, the Geelong Cats, and they played, of course, the Hawthorne uh, Hawks and uh, beat both of those teams by about 200 points. So, yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say they played really <laughs> well there. Um, yeah, no, they get, uh, that, they, them there could be as hard as any game in the league at the moment, I think. And I think if we won this one, I would be very impressed at where we're at because I think, you know, going in without five of our back players, that's just going to expose us at some stage. But um, if we could, like, 
If it could be close and we don't get blown out of the water, that would be nice. Okay, so you're happy to if you drop this game, it's not the end of the world. You're happy. You could you could be okay with that. I, I mean, I'm going to pick the Bulldogs because I like to pick the Bulldogs, but um, it would not surprise me in any way if GWS uh, win that one. No. I'm going to pick GWS because I just think that they are, they are an incubating premiership team. Whether or not they'll, they'll play finals this year, I don't know if they'll win the flag this year, but definitely in the next two or three years, I reckon it's just it's a foregone conclusion. I I feel winter is coming, <laughs> and it's coming from the western part of Sydney. Last game of the round, <clears throat> excuse me, is my boys, the Saints, taking on the Bombers at Etihad Stadium. We have to win this game. We have to. Like I think. If we have any pride in the jump or we have any pride in the club, then we need to win this game. I don't think it'll be easy necessarily. I think they actually match up against us quite well, especially with Joe Danaher. We don't really have a tall backman who can go with him. Um, but we should be a better team and we should win this. And we're at Eddie Had. So I think, I think I'd say a four goal victory to the Saints would, I'd be happy with anything less. I'd be disappointed. Yeah, look, Essendon are coming off a half of good footy in a row, and we just don't know how they'll <laughs> handle that because it's not something they've experienced at any stage during the season so far. So I think, yeah. I, I think that'll get to them. No, the Saints should win this. You'd be disappointed if they didn't. <clears throat> hey, Mike Howell, can you just tell me who Richmond play next round, round 10? Because oh, yeah, I think that will, help me, that will help me work out whether or not they're going to win um, it's a good week. point. You, you've got to look at you know how Richmondy next week could be. Oh, okay, so they've got Essendon next week. So I reckon they'll win this week and they'll win well, and then they'll lose to Essendon. That that's my lock of the week. <laughs> Richmond will win convincingly against Frio. Uh, thanks then, very much for listening to the podcast, guys. Uh, uh, if you like it, rate it on iTunes or wherever you're listening to it, and spread it around. Tell people about it. Uh, we will try to get the episodes up before the day of the next weekend. But you know what? We'll just try to get them up when we get them up. Uh, my name is Will Anderson. I'm Charlie Clawson. Oh, we've we've got our we've got our catchphrase. We did it last week. Remember, I say play on, not fifteen, and I say ball. <laughs> We are two guys, one cut.